Hey guys, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to this week's podcast. If you haven't yet, please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I'll send you free koozies. Screenshot it. Email me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I'll ship them out. Enjoy the show, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25 20. Breaks a tackle. 15 10 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, 15-10-5 to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 to advance. Country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, I had been teasing this for a while, so it's probably time I just give it to you and uh, deliver you the news that I think is really going to change the direction of Heartland College Sports in general. Pete Mundo with you, a Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you joining us. We're part of heartlandcollegesports.com, an independently owned and operated Big 12 website, and also podcasting, video, everything going on in the Big 12. We've got you covered over at Heartland College Sports. So the news is as follows. I've told you many times, if you listen to this show or this podcast, that um, – I used to work out in Woodward, Oklahoma at K101 and Z92 Radio, and that's where I really developed a passion for college football and specifically the Big 12. Five years ago, I moved to New York City for opportunities with CBS Radio, and that turned into Fox News Radio and um, you know Sports Illustrated and lots of other places. Well, I am now moving to Kansas City to take a morning show That is going to be a news talk show. It's not going to be sports. There'll be some sports, but it's going to be a news talk show Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. on KCMO in Kansas City. And it is a really exciting time, not just for me personally, but for the site. Um, For me personally, you know, you don't really care about that. You care about this website, about Heartland College Sports and, and what that means for this site and for our future. And the long and short of it is that nothing's going to change. It's only going to get better. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, the reality was this. I was in New York City, which had a lot of benefits from a media perspective. But being able to operate this website and this outlet from more or less the heart of Big 12 country is a huge benefit for me and, as a result, the entire website. You know, you can argue... What's the best city for a Big 12 fan? Um, 
Dallas-Fort Worth, obviously, uh, first on that list. You're the hub of the Big 12. Uh, you can drive to everywhere except West Virginia. Iowa State's maybe a little far, but uh, you get the point. After that, you can argue Oklahoma City, Kansas City, and then maybe Austin in terms of being able to drive to multiple Big 12 schools, but still being in a major metropolitan area. So, I had the chance to not only further my personal career, but help this website out tremendously. The reality was the only games I could really get to for the Big 12, I had to fly, which I was okay doing at times. But now I can get in my car. I'm a half hour to Lawrence, which no offense, you know, for for football season, um, those trips might be few and far between. Under two hours to Manhattan, which is awesome. Under three hours to Iowa State, which I can't wait to get to a game there uh, this fall. And then I'm about four, four and a half hours to Stillwater, five or so to Norman. And then I got a short flight to Dallas for TCU and Austin and et cetera. So the possibilities are now endless. And being able, you know, as the owner and operator of this site, I am so fortunate and so grateful to the guys that I have involved with this thing from Matthew Postens to Derek Duke to Cam Brock to Dave Beal, that these guys, they're awesome. And they're all in Texas or Oklahoma, you know, from Houston to San Antonio to Dallas um, up through Oklahoma. So they can get to a lot of the Big 12, old Big 12 South games, if you want to call it that. But no one's not no one's been able to get to some of these Big 12 North locations, Iowa State, Kansas State in particular. Uh, We got to West Virginia in 2016 for a game. But this totally changes the equation from not just a coverage perspective, getting the more games, but being able to produce more content at these games. From a sales perspective, there's so many things that we can now do that I get to be out in this part of the country. And I think it really takes the direction of this website and everything we're doing and basically jacks it up on steroids, which is awesome. Instead of dragging things along at the speed limit of whatever, 55 miles an hour, we can now hit this thing in the turbo and really ramp it up at an even faster pace than we've been going. And and I mentioned it this past, I would say, not I would say, I know, the past 13 months have been tremendous for this website from a growth perspective, from things that we are doing um, digitally, audio, launching this radio show, getting affiliates, so much of what we've done. And so much of that, of course, is because of you at the grassroots level, helping us build this thing and sharing it and telling your friends about it, family, everybody else. Um, it's been enormous. And we've seen so much growth. And now to be able to take that and just launch it to the next level is incredibly exciting. So I think there's a lot to be gained from this for not just us as a website, but for you as a follower of this site and everything else we do from an audio and video perspective. And I think that's going to be very exciting. I know it's going to be very exciting. And I'm thrilled. I'm in Kansas City uh, this week. The show has started this week for me personally, and nothing's going to change. We're just going to keep rocking and rolling and having a blast on the site and, and just continuing to do what we do, which is delivering you unique Big 12 content. You know, we aggregate important news. We're not going to aggregate every little thing. Every time a guy, you know, gets a splinter, we're not going to do that. But when we get big news, of course, we're aggregating that, and then we're giving you original, opinionated, thought-provoking content. And there's nobody else doing that on the level that we are. Not with the original stuff. It's not being done. 
So it's it's great to share that news with you. I've been dying to share it now for almost a month, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't say anything until the radio station gave me the go-ahead and they made their announcement. Now I can. I'm in Kansas City. If you're in Kansas City or if you're in the metro, find me on Twitter at Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O. Find us on Twitter at Heartland underscore C-S. Drop me a tweet. Um, you know, I, I, I got a few people I know out here, but I'm not overwhelmed with um, connections and acquaintances and stuff like that. So I'd be more than willing to grab a beer, get together, grab a bite to eat, whatever it might be, and just learn more about the community and the Metro and what we're doing here. So exciting times. Thank you so much for all you guys do and being a part of this show. And now let's get to the real stuff. The Kansas Jayhawks, the final four. What do we make of the end of the Big 12 basketball season? I'll dive into that next, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So let's now dive into the issues and wrap up uh, the Big 12 basketball season here at Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks so much for joining us. If you missed it, the big news, I'm moving to Kansas City, which means essentially our headquarters, as I joked on the site, because the headquarters are just where wherever I'm living with my laptop uh, will now be Kansas City, which will allow us to do a lot of different things and getting up to more games and coverage and things like that. So it's going to be really exciting as we continue to uh, build this thing out and grow it from the grassroots on up. It's, it's so exciting. It's, it's awesome. And uh, just can't wait. But the season comes to an end. Uh, Kansas losing to Villanova in the Final Four and the Wildcats winning the championship on Monday night. Now, full disclosure, Villanova graduate, have the degree, am a big fan, uh, and it was funny to see my two worlds collide here between Villanova, who then played three straight Big 12 teams, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and then Kansas. And in our Heartland College Sports staff picks, myself, Cameron Brock, along with uh, Matthew Postens, all thought that Villanova was going to win that game for the very reasons that ended up happening. Now, I don't think anyone thought that uh, this was going to be a Villanova game where they hit 18 threes and set a Final Four record. I'm not going to say I saw that coming, but I felt really good about this matchup and about the possibilities of what Villanova could do against Kansas. You know, these are two teams that I've watched more than anybody else in the country. Catch as many Villanova games as I can. And then on top of that, the Kansas Jayhawks, of course, top team in the Big 12. I watched a lot of them this season. And I felt like Kansas was in some ways Villanova light. Kansas could shoot the three ball, but they did not use it as much as Villanova. And Kansas was not as athletic as Villanova, not as deep as Villanova. The guard play, Villanova had a drastic edge over Kansas. Down low, Azabuke was unable to keep with Omari Spellman, Villanova's big man who can step out and hit a three-pointer. And that was evident early on. So all these different issues that came to light, exactly as we predicted, myself, Cameron Brocker, Matthew Postens, all thought this was going to be a major problem for the Villano- for the uh, Kansas Jayhawks, and it was. Now, Nova also shot lights out, so y- y- you can't really do much. I'm not sure who is going to beat Villanova that night on Saturday, but it certainly wasn't going to be the Jayhawks. 
And that was evident very early. Now, I had gotten to Kansas City on Friday, so I said, I got to go find a place to watch the game. I went down to the Power and Light District, checked it out, had my Villanova gear on, and it was funny because I was expecting to get heckled, and I didn't get heckled. I got more people looking at me funny being like, wait, are you actually a fan? Are you like a K-State fan just trolling us? What are you doing here? And... I didn't know Villanova fans even existed. I had multiple people asking me, where's Villanova? I mean, think about that. I thought that, I, I know Villanova's kind of a regional school up there in the Northeast in, or right outside of Philadelphia. But I figured KU fans knew where Villanova was. But I guess I was wrong. I, I was shocked. I had people saying, where is it? And one guy said, you could have told me it was in Alaska, and I would have said, okay. He literally had no idea. I was like, holy cow, this is unbelievable. So I got a couple of people heckling me, but you know, once the game got going, there wasn't really much to say. I, there, there wasn't much that they could have added to the conversation. So it was, um, it was not nearly the na- – not that I thought it was going to be a nasty crowd, but I didn't nearly get the flack that I thought I was going to get. Uh, and then once the game got rolling, no one really could say anything. But I, I ventured out into the uh, into enemy territory with my Villanova gear on, and it was a really good time. I mean, Power and Light's a really, a really cool spot for Kansas City in general. So the Big 12 season as a whole is in the books. And I don't know how you view this without saying it was a very successful season for this conference. The big fear is always the following. The big fear... For any conference in college basketball that thinks it's one of the top conferences in the country is that you put a lot of teams into the NCAA tournament and then you get like nobody in the Elite Eight. And it's like, well, that conference was overrated. Now, that's not always the case because as we know, the NCAA tournament is in so many ways a crapshoot. You know, Villanova dominated. They won every game by double digits this year. But so many times, this tournament is a crapshoot. It's a one-and-done format. It's not a series-based, and you're just you're kind of going there. And yes, oftentimes we get the best teams in the Final Four, or at least a you know four of the top 15, 20 teams in the Final Four. But you can also get the Cinderella like Loyola Chicago. And that makes a great story because it is one and done. Loyola Chicago would not have beaten half the teams they played in a best of five or seven or even three series. But on any given night, anybody can win. Just ask the Virginia Cavaliers. So the fact that the Big 12 got three to the Elite Eight, four to the Sweet 16, and then one to the Final Four is a testament to this conference because they lived up to the hype. They lived up to the billing as being one of the best conferences in America, if not the best. And certainly, I would argue the deepest. Because now having a 10-team league, it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense that everybody's playing a true round-robin in football and a double round-robin in basketball, which is great. More times team play each other, more chances for rivalries to build, camaraderie, all these different things, storylines. I think it's fantastic and important. The flip side is that it's very difficult to get out of the basement of the league because you're playing everybody every year. I mean, just ask David Beatty. 
And what we're realizing, too, is that quality over quantity is enormous in college sports. Pac-12 is is a god-awful. Pac-12, what do they put, three teams in, and then they got busted out by the opening weekend? Pac-12, which, think back to 2011-2012, people thought the Pac-12 was going to be the premier conference in America when they almost stole Texas, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. And they did anything but that. So it has totally changed over the past few years. And the Big 12 became the only team to put in a team to the college football playoff and the Final Four. So the fact that they have this depth and this quality and there's not all this dead weight sitting around like you've got in the Pac-12 and parts of the ACC and the SEC, I believe gives this conference the respect and the confidence that it's needed for the last couple of years. And I, I firmly believe it's changed the storyline around for the Big 12 moving forward. And that's huge because now basketball's over. Uh, we're now unofficially in football season. Spring games get going this Saturday. And that's an exciting time. Now, I don't know if the Big 12 on the football side in 20, geez, I almost said 2017, 2018 has that Oklahoma Sooners caliber team that you feel good about making the college football playoff. Can it be West Virginia? I mean, if the defense doesn't suck, it could be the Mountaineers. I'm not convinced the defense won't suck. Sorry, Tony Gibson, I'm not. Uh, is Tom Herman finally turning things around with the Texas Longhorns? I, I've got to see a quarterback there for the first time in a decade. And all the hype around Ellinger and um, Bouchelle and, and what they're doing, i got to see it first to believe it. I'm sorry. That's just kind of how I am with Texas. I've been We've been hyping this thing up for the past... Seven, eight, nine years, it's gotten us nowhere. And after that, teams like Oklahoma State and TCU are kind of rebuilding. Iowa State's going to be good, but are they really going to be a college football playoff contender? No, they're not. Um, Kansas State's going to be its typical uh, seven, eight, nine win team as of right now, as I see it. So I don't know if that team exists in the Big 12 this year on the college football side of things. But what's happened over the past six, seven months between football and basketball in 2017-2018 helps the cloud of this conference, helps the credibility of this conference, and builds a lot of what has been desperately needed in the Big 12 in the discussion in college sports over the past several years. Because the disrespect has been rampant, absolutely rampant in the conference. You just can't deny it. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to start this website when I kicked it off uh, two and a half years ago now. I wanted something like this that gave this conference a platform because I'm not saying that I'm competing with the SEC network. I'm not. But, you know, ESPN had the SEC network. They were going after the ACC network. Pac-12 had its own network. Big Ten had its own network. And once again, I'm not putting myself on that level. But there was nobody out there that was like, waving the pom-poms for the Big 12. And I don't try to be a total homer, but I try to point out that this conference deserves far more respect than it's gotten. But I think the tide has finally started to turn, and that's enormous. Absolutely enormous as we continue on and, and as we get, unfortunately, closer. Now, we're, we're, we're probably three, four years away, but whatever. We're still getting closer to more conference realignment talk. So this is, uh, is going to be 
another big year. It's very exciting right now for the Big 12 and what it's doing and what it's done. And I think fans should be very happy about the direction that things are heading. And that all starts with the head coaches in both the major revenue sports. It's enormous. And you think about the guys at the helms of these programs. And what coach right now is like, you know what? I'm just not satisfied with the guy running this program. Which coach is saying that in basketball? I, 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 don't think any co- I don't think any fan base right now in the Big 12 basketball scene is saying that. And I think on the football side, maybe the Texas Tech fan is saying it. That's about it. Uh, uh, the Kansas fan, all right. The David Beatty haters, the guys that are putting up billboards hating on David Beatty, they're saying that too. Um, so you got Kansas and Texas Tech on the football side. I don't think anybody on the basketball side is saying that. So this is, um, this is big stuff. And this conference is very well positioned to have a very successful and bright future as we progress through college athletics. It's an exciting time for this conference. It really is. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. If you missed the news earlier, we are, I am moving to Kansas City, so the quote-unquote tongue-in-cheek headquarters of Heartland College Sports will be in Kansas City. I'll be going to far more games and uh, covering far more events, and it's going to be really great for this website as we progress forward. Coming up next, it's my annual rant that I just find the reason to do this time of year every year. That's next year on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So this is going to be my annual rant on people who show up for the Final Four and want to suddenly pay college athletes. They don't realize it's not that simple. Pete Munda with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you joining us. If you missed the news earlier in the show, I have moved to Kansas City, which is uh, normally uh, you shouldn't care where I live, but when I was in New York City, this is now better because now I can cover the Big 12 uh, more extensively. We have our staff in Texas and one in Oklahoma, so now we have some coverage up here to the north, and that's just going to continue to grow this thing, and it's, it's very exciting right now for Heartland College Sports and what's going on. But you hear this all the time. The news outlets always kind of pick this up around this time of year. Oh, why aren't we paying the athletes? He's got, you know, the NCAA is making millions of dollars. Schools are making millions of dollars. Why aren't we paying the athletes? And I I try to laugh because the conversation is so dulled down and so foolish Uh, To the point where it's like it's not even worth discussing because people don't have all the facts. Title IX means that if you pay a college football player $10,000, you have to pay a female athlete $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000. Those are facts. And already, the only sports that are making money at a program are football, and men's basketball. And maybe women's basketball if you're UConn. That's about it. Nobody else is making money. And even a lot of football programs are losing money. And that money has to be covered up. or not covered up, but uh, replenished by endowments and various other items at universities. 
most places are not making tens of millions of dollars like Texas and Oklahoma. Those are facts. So, you know, are there a few college athletes worth paying? There are. Some guys that are just worth so much more to a sport, to a university, Tim Tebow, uh, Baker Mayfield, guys like that, yes, they're worth a lot. The run-of-the-mill college athlete is getting far more out of a university in a scholarship worth anywhere from thirty dollars to $75,000 when you include the whole package to the point where it's not even worth discussing. Most guys, most athletes, and all athletes in non-revenue sports – most athletes in revenue sports are not worth that couple hundred thousand dollars that the university ends up giving them in different items. But even if you want to pay them, even if you say, you know what, we got to at least pay the football players, then find me 85 female swimmers and gymnasts that you're also going to pay the same amount of money because those are the rules. Those are the laws that you've got to go out there and pay other people as well. You cannot simply say I'm paying football players. It's not allowed. So you hear this conversation. It's nonstop. It's mostly nonsense. But it's like people don't know the facts. They don't have the information. And then they go out there and say, got to pay the athletes. Uh, yeah, that's that's not really how this works. And it's just not accurate. So... It's always disappointing when I see this, and I saw it on uh, Monday night before the championship game, and uh, you know I think I saw it on one of the cable news networks, and it's like, really, we got to go down this road again. We got to have this conversation, you guys. You just, it's mindless. It's it's meaningless, um, and it's it's not fact based or fact driven, and that's um, that's a concern. That's that's it's it's. I don't want to say fake news. I don't want to use the phrase. But it's arguably fake news in many respects. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. Cliff Kingsbury has uh, reinstated his four players that were um, out arrested late at night for a bunch of nonsense, got in a fight, uh, I guess smashed a car, the whole thing. You saw the video. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. You know, Cliff Kingsbury, if there's one thing Cliff Kingsbury is not, he is not soft, and he does not have a uh, soft stance when it comes to player discipline. He has disciplined more players um, from the standpoint of hurting his on-field product. This is not a guy, even though he's struggled – by Texas Tech fans' expectations over the past few years. He has not been in many situations where he has put winning above character and above the program. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. So these guys were reinstated. I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Jet Duffy, Christian Taylor, Desmond Smith, Quan Shorts. If you watch the video, I, I, I know that they were arrested and it looks bad on paper, but watch the video. They got into a fight late at night at a, looks like outside a bar or a club or something like that. And should they have been out there that late? Should they have been in this situation? No. But I'm not kicking guys out of a program for that. I'm not. I'm using that as a teachable moment as a way to say, okay, guys, how do we make sure this does not happen again? Because that's what matters to me. I want to make sure this is not happening. And Cliff Kingsbury suspended them indefinitely. They were back at practice this week on Tuesday. 
And Kingsbury said that, you know, basically we're going to take a wait-and-see approach on the uh, scrimmage this weekend, and the spring game is, is next Saturday on the 14th. So there are a lot of problems at Tech in terms of on-field product, but I don't, I don't look down on what Cliff Kingsbury is doing uh, or trying to do or how he's handled this situation. This guy has always been a solid disciplinarian. Um, he has not put winning above some of the off-field nonsense that college athletes get themselves tied up into. And, you know, he deserves the benefit of the doubt in this situation. He does. So we'll monitor it. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I'm not concerned in the least bit about what Cliff Kingsbury is doing there. I'd, I'd be much more concerned about what his on-field product is going to be this fall. Uh, because something tells me that I know it's very early, but which one of these teams and which one of these programs do you say Texas Tech just without digging deep into the – positions, player groups, etc. Who are you going to say confidently right now that Texas Tech is better than outside of Kansas? I, I'm not finding that team. I'm not seeing that team right now. I know it's early, and I don't want to get Texas Tech fans all wrapped up and bothered, and it's spring. You're supposed to be optimistic about your team and the future and what's to come. But I, I just wonder if that win over Texas last season, in the, at the end of last season, that miraculous comeback win, all that it did was delay the inevitable. And maybe if it did, that's fine because the coaching carousel was so hot this offseason with places like Tennessee and Texas A&M Open. Maybe it was for the best because Tech can find themselves a better coach uh, at this point after the 2018 season. But I, I'm pulling for Cliff Kingsbury. I really am. I want him to win. But if he goes 5-7 and seven or 4-8, and eight, can Tech retain him? I, I just I don't know how they would justify that and – Kirby Hocutt could say that this program's trending in the right direction. I would have a hard time seeing that happen. Pete Mundo with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Always appreciate you guys joining us. A lot of fun. Looking forward to being in Kansas City, helping grow this thing, and uh, really take Heartland College Sports to the next level. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I would really appreciate that. We're growing this thing every week, and it's because of you. We'll talk to you next week.